Blog Talk Radio. Job creation. 
his monthly uh, subscription newsletter, Shadow Stats, Williams explains precisely of the Obama administration methodology, a methodology in calculating the monthly unemployment rate differs from traditional economic calculations used by previous administrations. Huh. I don't know about that. The broad economic outlook has not changed. Despite the heavily distorted numbers that continue to be published by the BLS, uh, Williams writes the unemployment rates have not dropped from peak levels due to surge in hiring. Uh, instead, they generally have dropped because of discouraged workers being eliminated from headline labor force and counting. Williams recre recreates a shadow stats alternative unemployment rate reflecting methodology that includes long-term discouraged workers the Bureau of Labor Statistics in 1994 under the Clinton administration removed from those concerned unemployed in all of the government's unemployment measures. Okay, well, you know, we, know, we know that the figures are manipulated like all statistics are manipulated. Yeah, but at 23% yeah, that's, that's what that. it is. Yeah. You know? All right, well, before, before I end this article, I'd just like to say that uh, BLS U U3 unemployment rate seasonally adjusted What's to 7%. BLS U6 uh, rate seasonally adjusted with 13.1, and Shadow Stats alternative unemployment rate was 23.4. Right. So increasingly, critics like Williams believe that the seasonally adjusted U3 numbers reported by BLS as the official number of unemployment rate do not give a reliable picture. Of the true magnitude of, 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 of uh, how, how do you like the fact that they count uh, somebody was an executive and the best they can get is a job flipping hamburgers at McDonald's, yeah. or they go from having a full-time job to a part-time job? Yeah, it's a, I mean it's that you know that you know the the figures are all skewed. Yeah. As, and you can use statistics any way you want, basically, and politicians use it to their advantage. They always have. Yeah. I mean, he's not the first one to do that. No, he's not. But, um, you know, it's disgraceful what the amount of unemployed people in this country. And it's never going to get better because those jobs are gone forever that a lot of those people had. True. And there's nothing that's replaced them. No, that's true. This is interesting, I thought. Big Bank South Colorado uh, has created a credit union for the marijuana industry because they, because in Colorado the banks won't won't uh, lend money, all right? Because they they they're not uh, keep going down. It has right below there. Yep. Keep going. Nearly a year after Colorado's first legal marijuana shops opened, the thriving industry's biggest problem is deciding what to do with all of its cash. Now that the state's banking commission believes it has found a way to free pot entrepreneurs from the regulatory haze between federal banking laws, drug enforcement agency, DEA policy, and the state's right to experiment with legalization, the nation's first bank for marijuana pushers, growers, and investors will open in January after Colorado's banking regulators approved the charter for the fourth corner credit reunion. I like hmm. this very much. The first of its kind bank will allow state business owners to move away from relying on cash for every transaction. Business has been very good for marijuana sellers since the state's carefully designed legalization regime came online in early 2014. But uh, traditional banks have refused to do business with the industry for fear of inviting punishment from regulators that are required to enforce the federal prohibition on drugs. Uh, the inability to access banking services has pushed the business into arms of companies like Blue Line Protective Group, a security firm that specializes in moving and safeguarding huge piles of cash for the marijuana industry. Uh -huh. As the cash stacked up in the security concerns mounted, Colorado bankers regulator, regulator, banking regulator, yeah, came to view that uh, problem as justification for approving a pot bank. That uh, rationale hinges on a detail from the Department of Justice 2013 
announcement that prosecutors could scale back prosecution of uh, marijuana offenses and stop pursuing cases against pot businesses that operate in compliance with their state drug laws. The memo announcing those changes described eight factors that prosecutors could continue to pursue aggressively, including preventing revenue from the sale of marijuana from going to criminal enterprises, gangs, and cartels. Well, keeping Colorado keeping Colorado's marijuana revenue out of the hands of criminal enterprises will be much easier if industry doesn't have to rely on cash. If you can't get your cash into the Federal Reserve System, you end up stockpiling in your home, in caves, or in your in your business. At some point, the risk becomes worth it for organized crime. Um, and State Financial Services uh, Commissioner uh, Michael Buss told yeah. USA Today, I've never even held a joint, but I really want to see them banned. A state charter for a fourth corner is a key step because it requires the Federal Reserve to acknowledge the bank and give it access to technological infrastructure for processing payments and conducting electronic transactions. But unanswered questions remain. For one thing, fourth corner does not yet have deposit insurance at all financial institutions are required to hold. Approval from the federal agency in charge of insuring credit unions could take two years, so Fourth Corner may have to seek private insurance instead. But insurance is a relatively minor hurdle compared to the more abstract problem predicted by the Colorado Bankers Association, which advises members that doing business with Fourth Corner is too risky to be wise because banks are responsible for monitoring their customers' behavior and reporting suspicious or criminal activity, and any money coming out of fourth corner is inherently tied to the marijuana trade. Any bank that accepts transactions originating at fourth corner risks incurring legal liability, according to the group. As a result, it's unclear if checks or drafts drawn on these credit union accounts will be accepted by other institutions not serving the industry. We consider ourselves regulated, legitimate businesses. We just want to have the same access to banking that other legitimate businesses have. Marijuana dispensary owner Christy Kelly told USA Today, I don't want to pay people in cash. Well, too bad. <laughs> I do. I would say go right ahead. You know, why not? Well, Dick Cheney is really freaking out. Is really freaking out about the new torture report that came out recently. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like that very much because. No, oh, he thought it was okay, he right? Maybe indicted himself. He should be. I don't know. The Senate Intelligence Committee will release an executive summary of a long-awaited CIA report on the government's use of enhanced derogation on Tuesday, uh, showing which that, they did. Yeah, showing that the agency relied on sexual threats. Waterborne, sleep deprivation, other gruesome methods to interrogate suspects in the wake of September 11, 2001 attacks. Documents will also show that CIA officials misled the Bush administration about the effectiveness of the methods. So, former Bush officials, <laughs> uh, former Bush officials, led by Vice President Dick Cheney and President George W. Bush, also continued to defend the enhanced interrogation techniques. Uh, which President Barack Obama has described as torture and banned in 2009, criticized the methods as absolutely, totally justified. So it's a, kind of a long article, but, you know, Cheney, does, to him? Cheney doesn't have a heart. He's got some kind of a robo heart. No, he finally got a good heart. So it's like, did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? But he has kind of one of the artificial ones. Miscarriages, birth defects, and infertility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a dangerous 
study confirmed fracking increases the rate of miscarriages, as well as other reproductive and developmental problems. Is fracking legal chemical poisoning? Hmm. As the level of concern about fracking rises, the chemicals are being used in these unconventional oil and gas operations, whether they are getting into the water and air, and whether information on them is being withheld from communities. A new study adds more evidence that the concern is justified. It asserts that fracking increases the rate of miscarriage as well as other in reproductive and developmental problems. In this work, six researchers from the Center for the Environmental Health, University of Missouri, and the Institute for Health and the Environment say, we review the scientific literature providing evidence that adult and early life exposure to chemicals associated with UOG operations can result in adverse reproductive health and developmental effects in humans. Children developing fetuses are especially vulnerable to environmental factors, said C.H.'s Ellen Webb, the study's lead author. We really need to be concerned about the impact for these future generations. The study points out that fracking operations have the potential to pollute the air and water of nearby communities. In every stage of operation, from well construction to extraction, operations, transportation, and distribution can lead to air and water contamination from hundreds of chemicals. It looks at what chemicals are used in fracking, the ways in which they can find their way into the air, into their air and water, and the adverse reproductive and developmental effects they are associated with. Looking at more than 150 papers that analyze the health effects of compounds and chemicals widely used in fracking, such as benzene, toluene, ethylbenzene, exylene, formaldehyde, and heavy metals such as arsenic, cadmium, and lead, they identified a range of associated effects and reproductive disruptions known to be associated with exposure to them. Research shows that there are critical windows of vulnerability during prenatal and early postnatal development during which chemical exposure can cause potentially permanent damage to the growing embryo and fetus, the study said. Many of the many of the air and water pollutants found near UOG operation sites are recognized as being developmental and reproductive toxins. Therefore, there is compelling need to increase the knowledge of the potential health consequences for adults, infants, and children from these chemicals through rapid and thorough health research investigation. Well, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, that this stuff is poison. That this stuff is bad. Yeah. You know, really? How many studies do you have to have? Oh, to prolong it so that they can continue to do this stuff? What do you need to know about the deal Congress just struck to undermine legal marijuana? Hmm. Probably with the pharmaceutical company. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they really made a deal here. Yeah. Okay. Members of Congress are reportedly poised erect, a uh, poised... To erect a significant yeah. barrier to Washington, D.C.'s Blueprint for legalizing recreational pot, tucking a provision under the federal budget via their extraordinary power to govern the District of Columbia. Sources told the National Journal Tuesday that the budget measure agreed to be by both Republicans and Democrats would thwart the D.C. Council from passing any measures to tax and regulate pot by banning it from using its funds toward that end. The budget item would not affect the ballot initiative overwhelmingly passed by D.C. residents in November, but make no mistake, the agreement congressional members reportedly reached today is a move to block legalization, nothing else. When Washington voters overwhelmingly voted to legalize marijuana this past November via ballot initiative, it was intended to be a two-step process because of the limitations in D.C. law. First step, uh, passed pass a ballot initiative uh, removing the penalties for uh, possession and, and small-time growth of pot. A second step passed legislation via the D.C. Council 
to tax and regulate the system so that some sales, production, and distribution of pot would be legal. These two steps together are what we typically think of as legalization. It's what Washington, Colorado, Alaska, and Oregon all did when they legalized recreational pot. But because Washington, D.C. law prevents the district from appropriating funds via a ballot initiative, legalization advocates had, advocates had no choice but to do this a non-traditional route to legalizing marijuana. Hmm. Members of the D.C. Council were on board with this plan. Well, D.C. Mayor-elect Muriel Bowser was on board. Uh, uh, whatever wrangling might have occurred before passage, the council would have passed a bill. Uh, but if the budget measure goes through, it won't be able to without a legalization measure. Washington, D.C. has nothing more than a decriminalization measure on steroids. The idea of legalization is that it not only removes criminal penalties from those who possess marijuana, but that it drives out the gang violence associated with the black market drugs while funneling the source of resources spent on drug crackdowns and public safety and education measures. As former Seattle FBI special agent in charge, Charles Mandingo said, in support of Washington State's legalization measure, what's driving all of us all of this violence isn't marijuana, it's the money. You know, if you had, if you can address the money factor, then you are addressing the problem. The congressional move, once again, throws into sharp relief the district's second-class status as a not a state. That's right. That's why. Yeah, oh, that's, that's what it says. In part because the District of Columbia is not a state, right. Congress retains the power to block any legislation passed by the District of Columbia within a window of between 30 and 60 working days after the legislation is passed. It also controls the district's budget and thus can, can use a backdoor mechanism for blocking legislation by attaching a budget amendment. Yeah, I mean, it, it should have been a state a long time ago. And Congress is encouraged not to exercise its power except in extraordinary circumstances under the Home Rule Act of 1973 and to otherwise treat the District of Columbia like a state. But that hasn't stopped lawmakers from selectively blocking D.C. laws on political wedge issues as a means of taking a stand on what would otherwise be a local issue. For 11 years, Congress used this tactic to prevent implementation of medical marijuana, a law passed in D.C., voted in 1998, while uh, taking similar measures to block non-abortion laws. And even when lawmakers haven't successfully blocked D.C. laws, they can coerce local lawmakers with the threat of doing so. And last year, when D.C. criminalized decriminalized marijuana, the House did, took steps to once again exercise the power of the initiation of, of Andy uh, Harris, representative of Maryland, a congressman ranked by Drug Policy Action as one of the three 2014 drug policy extremists. Un ultimately, while a writer to an appropriations bill was passed by the House, it died in the Senate after President Obama threatened to veto it. Why do they do it? As Representative Fleming, Republican Louisiana, put it, when asked why he was opposing Washington, D.C.'s criminalization bill, this is the only place I have a say. Ah, what a shit. I mean, what a suck. Doesn't even represent them. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I and mean, it just makes you sick. Nothing better to do. Legal marijuana is supposed to cause more crime. It's not doing a very good job. Congress will say D.C. can legalize pot, but can't tax or regulate it. Huh. Yeah. This is interesting. Benzene and worker cancers, an American tragedy. John Thompson was exposed to harmful chemicals called benzene at his, work, at his place of work for years, mm -hmm. uh, which ended up causing him to get leukemia. Oil and chemical companies knew of the dangers of this chemical, but continued to allow workers to be vulnerable to its dangers. Loden bedridden, his, brown, his skin brown by blood transfusions, John Thompson succumbed 
to leukemia on November 11, 2009. A carpenter by trade, Thompson, then 70, had spent much of his life building infrastructure for the petrochemical industry in his native Texas. Synthetic rubber plants in Port Natchez, chemical facilities in Orange. Throughout the 1960s and 70s, he often encountered benzene, stored on job sites in 55-gallon drums, which he used as a cleaning solvent. He dipped cameras and cutters into the buckets full of sweet-smelling liquid to expunge tar. He soaked gloves and boots in it. Thompson never figured the chemical could do him harm, not when he stung his hands or turned his skin chalky white, not even when it made him faint. But after being diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia in 2006, relatives say he came to believe his exposure to benzene had amounted to a death sentence. Oil and chemical companies knew about the hazard, Thompson felt, but said nothing to him and countless other workers. They put poison on his skin and in the airy breeze, said Chase Bowers, Thompson's nephew. He died because of it. Thompson died before a lawsuit filed by his family against benzene suppliers could play out in the courts where scientific linking the science linking the chemical to cancer could be put on display. Over the past 10 years, however, scores of other lawsuits, mostly filed by sick and dying workers like Thompson, have uncovered tens of thousands of pages of previously secret documents detailing the petrochemicals industry campaign to undercut that science. Internal memorandums, emails and letters, and meetings, minutes obtained by the Center for Public Integrity over the past year. I'm going to sneeze. Pardon me. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, over the past years, however, scores of other lawsuits uh, uh, detailing the oh, they were, the documents were previously secret. Um, it shows that the uh, petrochemical industry's campaign to undercut science. Internal memorandums, emails, letters, and meetings minutes obtained by the Center for Public Integrity over the past year suggest that America's oil and chemical titans, coordinated by their trade association, the American Petroleum Institute, spend at least $36 million on research designed to protect member company interests. As one 2000 API summary put it, many of these documents chronicle an unparalleled effort by five major petrochemical companies to finance benzene research in Shanghai, China, where the pollutants persist in workplaces. Others attest to the industry's longstanding interest. Can you move that? In such, uh, in Shanghai, in let's see, let's see. Many of the documents chronicle an unparalleled effort by five major petrol companies to finance benzene research in Shanghai, China, where the pollutants persist in workplaces. Others attest to the industry's longstanding interest in such concerns as childhood leukemia. Yeah, well, right. Just as an anecdote, um, or as a note, back in the 70s, uh, mid to late 70s, I guess, um, I was working in a factory that uh, used a trichloroethylene. A trichloroethylene was known as a degreasing agent, but it also also it already had a notorious uh, reputation for being a carcinogen and you know uh, used in uh, dry cleaning and all this. Oh kind of stuff. yeah, very bad. It was poisoning uh, water and all. It had and back in the seventies had a horrible horrible reputation. Reputation then, but they continued to use it. I remember. It? Yeah, well, I remember this. This happened to me. I was in a union shop and I was with a big company. And uh, I I was asked I was told to degrease these these certain parts okay by using this trichloroethylene chemical you know but I wasn't given any gloves I wasn't getting any breathing masks I wasn't getting anything and it was like they just said you know just use this stuff and I said wait and right on the can there was a huge skull and crossbones on it said do not inhale do not do not expose this to to the skin. Not you know this and that, and of course, and I said, and I and I made a, I, I filed a full grievance with the, with the union, saying, hey, I'm not using this stuff, 
right? It's poison. Because it's, it says right there, it's poison. What are you guys, freaking crazy or what? Mm-hmm. You know? And and they said, no, you can do this, you're going to be fired. I said, look, I'm going to sue your asses. You, you make me use this stuff, I could die, okay? You've been using this stuff without without the proper safety safety things, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, God love the unions, I love unions, but, you know, unfortunately, so many people in the unions are complete idiots, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, the people that work in the unions. I'm not saying that, that, that the executives and whatnot are, but... Man, I'll tell you, a lot of the union workers are complete and utter morons, okay? They didn't understand they, that. Well, you know, what they were doing. They, they did, but the problem was is they didn't care. These people were so damn idiots. I mean, they just lived in this stuff, breathed this stuff. They saw it, but they didn't. Un- but they couldn't care less, all right? Well, they After didn't I com- filed a full grievance... They probably didn't comprehend it. Though. Look, they comprehended it. What's the skull and crossbones say? They didn't I mean, believe it. They, you know, how could they not believe it? It's right there. Because they're used cause, to doing can, what they told. It says can cause unconsciousness, okay, right. if inhaled. Can cause, you know. Uh, I believe you, Leo. Well, I'm just don't saying. argue with me. I'm just saying that this is what this happened. This happened to me. It didn't happen to you. I'm just saying that right? people sometimes, they're such sheep, they do what they're told. Exactly. But but the, the amazing thing is, is like I, I protested big time, all right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, and I, and I was threatened to be fired. But I, I pulled up the I pulled the union. I said, look, I, I said this is insane. You can't do this. I want a respirator and I want gloves. I'll do the proper gloves, equipment. but I want the proper safety equipment to use this stuff. Well, you know what? I got the stuff right. But then there, there was a stupid woman. The woman was so stupid she she had no teeth in her head. Okay, and 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 she was just okay. just a stupid. And she said to me, and and. She agreed to use the stuff without anything. All right, after I filed a full grievance and had won my case and, and all this stuff, and I was using it in the ventilated area and stuff, this woman was so stupid. She, she, she jumped in and she, did it without it? She did it without it, and she said, I don't need a respirator, I don't need anything, and she did it. She did it and did it. Guess what? Within a week, her hands were all freaking ruined. All right? I mean, this woman was so stupid, but, there were, but it wasn't just a woman. I mean, there were, there were people in this factory that were so stupid that they, they, they should be crawling on all fours. I well, mean, they probably ended and, up you know, and they probably all died. I mean, I left before I left their the, time. I left within a, within six or eight months. It was so it was such a dangerous place. It was a it was a major major place too. It wasn't a, some kind of a chintzy place. It was a big company, um, international company that, that forced their people to work like this. But I uh, never mind. They but, probably you know, moved it. China. Yeah, it probably did. But I mean it just it was just unbelievable to see that happen and it was and I can see what happened with this guy. I mean I'm sure, you know, you probably you know there are probably skull and crossbones things and all kinds of things on on, on his benzene uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh can or drum. But these idiots all used it. I mean I I'm sorry. But you know <laughs> All right. You know, yeah. It just made me so furious to 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 fight to fight viciously fight with it with the company to win this case for everybody, and then these idiots said they don't care. They didn't take advantage of no, you. you know. And I look like a you know I win, and these people are. I mean, it's, well, it's just totally. They're very foolish people. I mean, I mean, totally foolish. I mean, I, I'm sure they're dead by now with rabid uh, cancers and stuff. But I mean, it's just like. What what morons? You know, I'm sorry. You know, if you're if you're if you're working in a situation like that with stupid people, folks, <laughs> you, have, you don't realize it. Oh, man. Oh, anyway, this was an interesting article, Leva. Uh, Lincoln ordered the greatest mass hanging in American history. Hmm. What did you think of that? Amazing, you know? I was in aware of it. Uh, I wasn't either until I saw this article. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a history buff, but I didn't realize um, what this what actually happened here. And what happened was well, the key part is on this day. Yeah, December. And Lincoln ordered the greatest massacre oh, in actually. America's history. Uh, yeah, uh, December sixth in eighteen sixty-two. 
Everybody thought that Lincoln was such a great guy. Well, America's greatest mass hanging, the execution of 38 Sioux Indians, was personally ordered by the great emancipator, President Abraham Lincoln. Trouble started in the summer of 1862 when starving Sioux Indians, upset over broken promises from the federal government, attacked settlers in seven and several Minnesota uh, Minnesota towns. Since most able-bodied men were off fighting in the Civil War, the towns were practically unprotected. Well, the Minnesota infantry struck back, but within weeks the Indians co- uh, controlled a 250-mile uh, by 50-mile strip of land, and the uprising eventually became the bloodiest of all Indian massacres. About 800 settlers and soldiers were killed, and although some historians estimated the death toll much higher, U.S. Army troops uh, commanded by General John Pope finally subdued the Sioux uh, with hundreds of Indians were imprisoned in a military stockade. Well, Pope uh, set up a military tribunal after a hasty hearing, 307 warriors were condemned to die. But no one was sure the military trial was legal, so the, mil- the matter was dumped into President Lincoln's lap. After uh, acting as commander-in-chief, he personally reviewed each case and wrote an order for the ex- execution of 38 Sioux uh, Indians be judged guilty. He judged guilty. Yeah, he judged guilty of murdering uh, unarmed citizens. He commuted the death sentence of the remaining Indians. An enormous scaffold, 24 feet square, was erected in Manco, Minnesota, for the public hanging. On the morning of December 26, um, 1862, the condemned Indians mounted the scaffold and ropes were uh, looped around their necks as the platform uh, fell from beneath uh, the Indians' feet. 4,000 civilians cheered. The bodies were buried in a common grave, and the rope used for the hangings were cut into small pieces and distributed to spectators. Oh. In a huge whitewash, historians usually mention the Sioux Massacre only briefly and fail to point out Lincoln's role in it. That's amazing, huh? Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. I thought you'd be interested to know that, folks. <laughs> well, how about this one? Eighty-one percent of Americans want Citizens United overturned by the Supreme Court. Hmm. Good luck that, with that. That's where, you know, they gave the Supreme Court gave uh, corporations the right as to be human. Yeah. yeah. Same rights as people. Yeah. Huh. Uh, uh, oh, this is happening now. Uh, the New York Police Department used uh, sonic weapons against police protesters. Now, what is a sonic weapon exactly? Yeah. uh, Happening now, the NYPD used LRAD sound cannon, which can cause permanent hearing damage to disperse a small group of peaceful protesters on 58th Street. Imagine that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Here's a police... Department guy giving the finger to a photographer. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we love you too. Corporatism. How internet censorship works. This is interesting because this is happening everywhere, but it's really happening to us as well. Mm-hmm. Me, Lila, and it's really frightening. Um, it's very frightening. Now, I wanted to just read this because it'll give you some kind of idea of uh, what's really going on here. The Internet is not as free and open as we might think. How do government, private companies, and Internet services provide provide a sense of the Internet? Well, Britain's Prime Minister... uh, Warned a few months ago that what essentially amounts to alternative news sites such as this one should be filtered out of existence. It now appears that the dream of psychopaths who would like to completely control the flow of information may be close to becoming a reality in the so-called free world. 
this, amid reports that alternative news sites would selectively black out it were selectively blacked out in the state of California last week, as reported yesterday by Mike Adams, the health ranger and publisher of naturalnews.com, which I will reproduce in entirety below. Mike Adams, December 4, 2012. According to... Um, what I'm hearing from several yeah. resources in my network of contacts, <laughs> the U.S. government is putting systems in place to block out online news sites such as Natural News, Drudge Report, The Blaze, and many others. A practice run that took place earlier this week in California and has already achieved the results and confirmed the technical ability to make it happen at will. The recent outage of news sites experienced by Internet users in California was reported by this article on the beforeitsnews.com and confirmed by the Washington Times, The Blaze, and other sites. The Natural News Reader Service Team also recorded numerous complaints from California users who were unable to reach our website even though our site was fully functional and serving pages worldwide. What was especially telling about this outage is that it only affected online news sites while allowing other Internet traffic to flow normally. This selective targeting of news websites could have been accomplished by deep packet inspection used inside the routers that move information packets along the Internet, reported before its news technical staff. The technology allows ISPs to look inside the packets your computer sends and receives and then make a decision to allow the packets through, modify the packets, or block them. This technique can also be used to slow or speed up traffic. The selective targeting proves that this was not a general outage. The traffic blockage was specifically targeted to, targeted to online news sites. Online news censorship being prepared in advance of a large-scale event. The selective blocking that took place earlier this week is widely believed to have been a dry run for planned online news blockade by the federal government during an upcoming major event. What sort of major event? The sort of major event where the government wants its official narrative to be the only information allowed to circulate, obviously. These tend to be either terrorism events or false flag events which are seized upon by the government to enact harsh new police state regulations and surveillance initiatives to spy on the American people. Similar events in U.S. history include Oklahoma City, Waco, and of course 9-11, all of which were exploited to vastly expand police militarization and the surveillance reach of the federal, federal government. Do you remember the Patriot Act? What all governments know is the importance of getting out in front of the narrative and telling the government's story first before anyone else can look at the facts and present a more rational explanation for what happened. Guccifer Hacker warned of nuclear bombs in American cities, New York Times. The infam infamous hacker Guccifer, now arrested, is well known for hacking into the email accounts of members of the Bush family in the United States. According to numerous stories in the mainstream media, Guccifer acquired emails which spoke, of nuclear, which spoke of a nuclear detonation in a major city in Pennsylvania in 2015. A widely cited story published in, New York. In, New in the New York Times just two weeks ago revealed that Guccifer obtained information that he believed indicated a nuclear bomb would be de detonated in Chicago or Pennsylvania in 2015. As the New York Times explains, these are wild conspiracy theories, but the psychologist who interviewed Guccifer insisted the man wasn't crazy at all. From the New York Times, November 21, 2014. The English-speaking prison psychologist who attended my meeting with the hacker rolled his eyes as Mr. Lazar started reading his explanatory text in good but heavily accented English. It was a compendium of wild conspiracy theories involving, involving so-called Illuminati, a secret cabal that he believes runs, runs the world. Most of the conspiracies were old hat, like relating to the attacks of September 11, 2001 by Al-Qaeda, but others, such as the alleged plan to set off a nuclear bomb in Chicago in an unnamed city in Pennsylvania next year, 
were clearly his own work. The psychologist said he had heard them all before, but nonetheless had no doubt about the state of Mr. Lazar's mental health. He's not crazy at all. It's widely speculated across the net that Guccifer stumbled across emails of high-level operatives who were discussing plans for nuking American cities. Speculation, of course, is not the same as proof, and it's entirely possible this may be nothing more than Guccifer's attempts to attract attention. White event might be coming. Regardless, there's no question whatsoever that the U.S. federal government has been accelerating its readiness for something big. During the recent Obama scare, the first wave, because there's still more to come, it was widely, widely reported that the U.S. State Department put out a bid of 160,000 for 160,000 hazmat suits. Are those for Ebola or for something else? Theories of what might be coming our way in 2015 tend to focus on the following speculative possibilities, ranging from near certain to way, way out there. Global financial collapse, where the 2008 banks to bailouts have finally come back to haunt us in 2015, causing a cascading collapse of global derivatives debt and fragile banking industry. This would obviously be followed almost immediately by mass social chaos, riots and revolution, and so on. Nuclear attack by Russia in the aftermath of the current petrodollar disaster, where Russia is getting economically crushed by plummeting oil prices. See the excellent article by Mark Salvo for a full explanation of this dynamic. Nuclear terrorism in Africa. No, in America. America Carried out by whatever radicals with foreign-sounding names the mainstream media wants you to hate at the moment. False flag terrorism, uh, deliberately carried out on American soil by political pur- for political purposes, usually to blame some convenient political groups, such as the Tea Party. Of these, I personally think financial problems are the most likely. There are already recent signs in the stock market that something has gone terribly awry and severe market correction is long overdue. The U.S. Treasury's recent creation of $1 trillion in new debt just to pay up old debt is downright shocking, and anyone who understands the power of compounding interest will immediately realize that the U.S. is plummeting towards certain financial insolvency. I recommend this article, this, this really good article by ZeroHedge.com, which explains what really happened with the debt situation. And he says, you have to think about a huge tower of debt on shaky foundations where central banks pump concrete in the foundations in an emergency effort to avoid the building from collapsing, and at the same time, builders are adding additional floors on top. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, all are in Ponzi uh, world right now, uh, hoping to be bailed out by the next person. The problem is that demographics alone will not will have to tell us uh, that there are fewer people entering the scheme than leaving, and more people get out than in, which means, if the, by definition, if the scheme is at an end, the Minsky moment is the crash. Like all crashes, it is easier to explain it afterwards than to time it, time it before. Uh, but I think it is obvious that the end game is near. Action items. Do this now to avoid being cut off from independent news. ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.com will follow as many of these instructions as possible. But here, here are just a few things that they're advising you. Okay, so you know, if you if you find that you can't get on your site, get on a website that you always have been, like mine, LASTOOLSHOW.org, or you know, uh, NationalNews.com, or you know, any of these. You have to write down the IP address. Write down the IP address. In this space of naturalnews.com, it says what it is. Forbidden Knowledge TV IP address is noted on the top of the page as well. Then you go into your address up here, you know, Mm -hmm. up into your address bar, and you'll see it. Uh, There's a place that says joinscene.is. Immediately and start following Natural News there. Our address is scene on scene is dot is scene is a totally uncensored alternative to Facebook 
and it's rapidly growing in popularity among truth-minded people. Right? Seenis.com. Let's check that out. And subscribe to the National News Email Newsletter if you're already a subscriber. I recommend it. It's a great site. You know, sign up to follow us at Use Advertising, all these different ways that you can get on there. Um, yeah, so anyway. Um, yeah, see, uh, here's, here are the ones. Uh, help support other alternative news sites such as Before It's News, Steve Quayle, uh, LASteelShow.org, TruthMedia.com, you know, The Daily Sheeple. Anyway, all of, all of the mediums that you normally. Uh, here's an interesting one. Copyright law as a tool for state censorship on the internet. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder how that works. Yeah, that works. And this is from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yeah. Defending your rights in the digital world. When state officials seek to censor online speech, they're going to use the quickest and easiest method available. So many copyright takedown notices do the trick. After years of lobbying and increasing pressure from content industries and policymakers and tech companies sending copyright notices to take media offline mm. is easier than ever, right? Um, and it says, you know, so people copy put things and put them up on their website, yeah. you know, and, well, you know, and you, on YouTube, you constantly see this on YouTube, copyright, you know, infringements and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And they take them down right away, you know, stuff like that. So that that's what they're doing now. So DMC has, has become a global root for tool for censorship, precisely because it has designed to facilitate the removal of online media. The law carries provisions on intermediary liability, um, and along with many other uh, strict copyright enforcement rules, which induce websites, internet service providers, to remove content that is alleged to be copyrighted infringement. That's why if you go to my site, you you know everything is uh, you know you still have you know most well, most of these sites have a, it's called a, a fair a fair use trade fair use law okay uh, and uh, you know if you're not profiting by the use of it right you know you you can put it up and it's like us reading these websites yeah. right we could be sued. All right, uh, for or censored for copyright infringement, but these people publish these things freely for us to promote. Right, know? and we're not making any. We're not making money off of promoting them. We're 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 trying to promote them for truth, which is what most most of these places do, you know. And uh, uh, Zuckerberg laws socialism was China's internet censorship czar. Uh, Obama says he will defy uh, Democrats on his support on his support of the yeah. Trans-Pacific Partnership. Didn't I tell you he was going to align yeah. with Republicans yeah. when on I that? Yeah, I, I was like for it when I saw it. Really? You didn't believe me when no, I No, no, I, I was, but when I saw it, when I saw this article... Uh, he up, was thrilled was like, that yeah. he has a Republican Congress oh, yeah. for two reasons. Oh, yeah. One, this Trans-Pacific Partnership, yeah. and two to further his war agenda. That's right. The only thing that was standing in his way were a few Democrats. Yep. As President Obama singled Wednesday that, at least on international trade, he is willing to defy his fellow Democrats and his own liberal base to pursue a partnership with the Republicans. <laughs> trade represents one of Obama's best chances for a, le a legacy-building achievement in the final two years of his presidency, but he acknowledged that it is an idea he still has to sell to many of his traditional allies. He's never going to. He's just going to align. With yeah, he's going to align because what it does is it destroys our national sovereignty. Mm -hmm. this, this, this he gives all power to, to, to corporations, corporations uh, overseas, and you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. And speaking at a, a gathering of business leaders, Obama offered his strongest public defense of his administration's pursuit of the major 12th nation trade deal and the uh, Asian Pacific, known as the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that has been opposed by Democrats, labor unions, and uh, environmental groups. The administration has argued that the trade deals will boost U.S. exports and lower tariffs for American goods in the fast-growing Asian Pacific region, where the United States has faced increased 
uh, increasing economic competition from China. While those who oppose these trade deals ironically are accepting a status quo that is more damaging to American workers, Obama said um, at the Business Roundtable. There are folks in my own party and my own constituency that have legitimate complaints about some of the trend lines of inequality but are barking up the wrong tree when it comes to, to opposing the TPP, and I'm going to have to make that argument. Oh, baloney. The president spoke shortly before the meeting at the White House with Senator Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, who will become majority leader next month, and has said the GOP would be supportive of Obama's efforts to liberalize trade policy. What they mean is give it to corporations. Last month in Beijing, Obama met personally with representatives from the Asian nations involved in TTP talks in a bid to provide momentum to negotiators to reach a general agreement by next spring. Obama is facing increasing pressure from other countries, particularly in Japan, to win approval for Congress for fast-tracking authority, which would allow him to pursue a final deal that could not be changed by lawmakers before a vote on Capitol Hill. Currently, Majority Leader Harry Reid uh, blocked a, nation, a, nascent, a nascent push from the White House last year over the fears of blowback from labor unions and other liberal groups. Administration officials think they have a better chance to win approval for fast-track authority from a Republican-controlled Congress. But in his remarks, Obama acknowledged that skepticism remains significant in both parties. It's somewhat challenging because of American feelings as if their wages and incomes have stagnated because of increasing global competition, Obama said. And there's a narrative there that makes for some tough politics. The important thing is, is that, um, you know, the, the opposition here to this is stating that it gives up global sovereignty. Yep. It destroys, it's going to destroy the, 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 what's the left, what's of, our left labor. of our labor resources and outsourcing and everything else. Uh-huh. And this asshole thinks it's going to it, it's going to benefit our economy. Well, he's I mean, even all the up. yeah, and and it's and the reason he's pushing this through is because the uh, corporations that backed him, the bankers and the corporations that backed him for presidency, That's okay, what they, want. they they have been pushing for this and pushing for this because it's the last uh, big giveaway. Once they get this, it's like you know, we're there's done. nothing left for we're, American we're workers. We're cooked, you know.
after the retirement chairman of the Senate and House uh, Arms Service Committee, includes as a giveaway of Apache burial, medicine, medicinal, and ceremonial grounds currently within the bounds of Tonto. Uh, news of the land provision was kept under wraps until late Tuesday when the bill was finally posted online. That's disgraceful. Yeah. I mean, my God, it is, it is. Lands included in the plan will stop 1,500 feet short of Apache Leap, which will not initially include an area known as uh, Oak Flats. It goes into the territorial realms, but but the amazing thing is is all people, Apaches and Indians, should understand. Because we've gone through this so many times in our history, Rambler said, the first thing I thought about was not really today, but 50 years from now, probably after my time, is this land exchange goes, bill goes through that the effects of my children and children's children will be dealing with. And so it, it, it goes on. It's a pretty long article, but... Uh, That's the meat of it anyway. The meat of it is they're doing it. They're trying to steal the land again. They're and, giving uh, away something they don't even they have? They don't even own. That's you typical. Know, well, they're giving away all our jobs. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just... And then they just manipulate the law around with their. Yep. Yep. But we're yep. right to the end of our show. It's yes, 901. And we want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. And uh, we hope you have a, have a good night, folks. And we and do our talk, union, to you, union. talk to you tomorrow when we do our union show. And I believe we will have uh, Larry Dorman on. Oh, tomorrow. that would be great. I hope so.